It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Walter Storholt here with you alongside Matt Hausman, the founder of Old Security Group, serving you in not only Westchester, PA, with an office there and in Newark, Delaware as well, but clients all across the country. You can find us online by going to smartmoneyquestions.com. And it's going to be another one of our favorite types of episodes here, Matt, where we answer Folks, questions. They're smart money questions, the the namesake of the program. And hope you're doing well. Good to talk to you for another week. That's right. That's right. Everything been going well in your world so far this uh, 2019, Matt? Absolutely. Can't complain. Living the dream, as they would say. You know, <laughs> there you go. I can't. I, it's still, and actually, I don't think I've messed up on writing 19 when I'm writing the date. Oh, I don't think okay. I've messed up yet, but it's still hard to comprehend that. It is 19. I think part of it is because my youngest in just a couple of days is going to be 17. And okay. I, I, to me, that's just, it's just hard to believe. <laughs> I did the weirdest thing where back in like November, I started writing 2019 because I think I was mentally preparing to start writing 19 on, you know, checks and files and all that kind of stuff. And then I switched back to 18. But now that we've hit 19, I haven't actually started to write 19. I'm back to still writing 18. So my brain still has to get it all figured out. Hopefully by like March or April, I'll have it all straight. That's right. Well, this is our first 2019 edition of answering your questions here on the program. So we've got three good ones to cover on today's program, Matt. The first of which is going to come to us from Angie in Connecticut. So we'll let her get us started off. Angie says, I'm retiring at 60, but would like to delay the start of my social security until I'm at least 66. But is it unwise for me to live solely off my savings for that many years? Angie, that is a great question. And a couple things I would tell you to look at is, first of all, where is your money? And when you talk about savings, in other words, is it money in a 401k? Is it an actual savings account, a brokerage account, CDs, what have you? And most importantly, what's the tax characterization of the money? And that really leads me into the next one, which I'm hoping you have addressed, and maybe this doesn't even become an issue, is what's your health care going to look like between retiring at 60 until Medicare eligibility at 65? And that is such an important equation because of how, if you don't have, let's say, retiree benefits available to you that are not, in other words, if you are paying a portion of the premium, that it's not dictated by what your taxable or your household income is. If you have to go out into the, you know, the private market or the marketplace, it's going to be dictated on how much of the income that's coming in, all of the income, including if you did decide to take Social Security as early as 62, all of that is counted in the equation how much health insurance premium are you going to pay? And it's so important to really understand that. And one of the first things you want to look at is the tax characterization of the money to then be able to address live solely off of my savings for that many years. In some cases, it might not be where you have a choice, but you really can't retire early because the health insurance cost is going to be so great. 
And in some cases, I've seen where the health insurance is $1,250 to $1,400 to $1,500 per person up until the age of 65. So really understanding where your savings is, how it's categorized, how much you're going to need, how it's going to come in and possibly affect that healthcare number is extremely important. Yeah, so important, I think, to consider all the different moving factors, moving parts when it comes to Social Security. I imagine you're getting questions every single day on this kind of topic, Matt. Yeah, Social Security is a big equation because it sounds like Angie doesn't have a pension because she only mentioned savings as a way to bridge the gap. But, you know, the health insurance is such an important factor and understanding how that's calculated. You know, at the end of 2018, I was speaking with some clients and one of the spouses is in that donut hole. The donut hole being he's retired, but he's Medicare eligible. She's retired, but she's not. So she's on on the marketplace, got about a year and a half for that. And really recognizing how delicate the income, how much income goes into the Obamacare tax subsidy calculation. And if you go just a little bit over it, I mean, it can be an extra $900, $1,200, $1,700 that you have to pay back. In their case, the subsidy was pretty high. It was over 1000 a month. And just to go over just a little on um, what the estimated income was can really have a detrimental effect because we have to remember it is a tax subsidy against your premium payment. So if you go over what you estimated, then sure enough, you're going to have an additional tax payment come when you have to uh, do your taxes by April 15th. Yeah, it's a lot to consider with Social Security, and every year it seems to get different, or at least, you know, your situation is changing, so therefore the right answers to Social Security may change as you get closer and closer to retirement. So I know that gives people a lot of anxiety, too, knowing that hey, the situation I'm in maybe here at 60, like Angie's talking about, will maybe be different by the time I get to 66. So, you know, it's kind of right. hard, or it provides a little bit of an opportunity to become anxious you know, when you kind of have some unknowns and some changes as the years progress? Well, my suggestion would be try and not have that be an unknown. And what I mean by that is, Angie, I would suggest going through an income distribution model and be able to see what is my income need? What is my social security? What's my savings? Where it's at? How much do I need to pay the bills? Live the retirement lifestyle that I want to, you know, many times when somebody first retires, that's the bucket list years, we're going to be spending more is what's that look like to make sure that it's not going to be an exact number. We can't predict exactly what it's going to look like, but you at least want to have an understanding where you can kind of decrease the anxiety of that unknown. All right. Great question, Angie. Thank you for submitting that one to us here on the show. A quick reminder, you can go to smartmoneyquestions.com to submit your questions to possibly be featured on the show as well. That's smartmoneyquestions.com. Next one comes to us here from Lockhart in Pennsylvania. Lockhart says, if we enter into a long down period in the market, what will be the best approach for someone nearing retirement? I'm almost to that point and trying to figure out how to best position myself these final few working years. Another great question, and this is something that I'm going to kind of change her question just a little bit. The initial part was if we enter into a long down period, and I would actually say even if we're entering a, quote, long up period, no different than what many would say the last 10 years have looked like since 08, is positioning your money from having different buckets with different risk. And some of that money should be safe. 
think of it where, you know, even if it was sitting in cash or safe investments to where when you have other money, let's say that's in a bucket of moderate investments, and then also having another bucket of long-term gold-type investments. So having different buckets of money from safe money, moderate money, to long-term growth money, and then no matter what the market's going to be doing, because we have that safe bucket of money, you're not worried about in, let's say, three years what the market is going to look like at that time because you've positioned your assets to be in accordance with the need of income because we're going to not be working anymore. So we're going into retirement, creating a retirement paycheck, and we've positioned our money accordingly. But I wouldn't suggest that you just start looking at it in the event of a, quote, long down period. I would start doing that positioning now because in in my belief, we don't know what the market's going to look like, and we want to make sure that our investments are matching our future income need. So important to realize that. And Lockhart, not only great name, but great question. I'm wondering about these down periods in the market. And I know, Matt, that you've talked a lot about market volatility recently. Do you think that a down period in the market is the exact way to describe what we're going through right now? Honestly, I don't know what we're talking about in the market right now. <laughs> it's, it's, and I don't think anyone can accurately predict. It's interesting because I read this really long article. I don't remember what it was in, Forbes or something like that, maybe on Fox Business. And this is about, I don't know, five, six weeks ago. And it was all the market volatility that was happening in the fourth quarter of last year. Here's what was crazy. It was talking about the worry of an economic slowdown in two to three years. And I'm thinking, why is the market factoring in two to three years from now as compared to where the GDP numbers are, where profit expectations are and the reporting that all these companies are doing, the jobless claims, all of that stuff. And yet we're seeing all the volatility because of a worry 24 to 36 months from now that we don't even know is really going to happen. So even over the course of the last 10 years, they talk about a bull run. But the reality is there's been some years of negative to minimal growth at best. And it seems like there's all, I really believe there's always going to be something where each side of the equation, those for the bear and those for the bull have to try and make their point. I think that that's where we have to be cautioned in not listening to what the media or the so-called talking heads are telling us and really positioning our money where we have an understanding on the risk we're taking in. And most importantly, as we're getting closer to that retirement date, and remember, I, I categorize retirement as the paycheck is stopping, or at least a significant part of the paycheck is stopping, whether I go from full-time to part-time, what have you. And now whatever I've accumulated, whatever income sources I have, whether it's a pension, social security, et cetera, that's going to end up feeding my income need. And if we can do that, then we don't really have to worry about what those talking heads are saying. A little bit more peace of mind when you can kind of, I don't know, I guess take the whims of the market and not be concerned about them every single day. Correct. Because the reality is, you know, we talk about life expectancy a lot, but many times because we're always living in the now, right? We're living in the now, yeah. quote, 2019. And it's hard for us to think about 2029, or 2022, um, and sometimes it's even hard for us to go back and think about 2012 or 2007. But longevity and the investment strategies that we want to have in place and our income need 
is something that is long-term now. You know, retirement is a, a 20, 25, 30-year proposition now. It's not like it was, at least what I remember from my grandparents 30, 35 years ago. It's a much different situation. I mean, people are much more active, much longer, and the income needs that are there. So I always really caution clients on following all the whims on a day-to-day basis of what the market is doing and what the talking heads are saying. You know, I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast. You and I have joked about it, but I really don't watch any of the news anymore. I turned that off in like 2008, 2009. Yeah. Because I'm like, all this is doing is making my blood pressure go up, right? So I just get upset when we talk about, you know, I listen to sports radio <laughs> on the way in <laughs> if I'm not listening to another podcast. Right. So, you know, not not worrying or not really paying attention to the market whims when we understand that we're in this for the long haul and how we've positioned our money, as we talked about with Angie, kind of calms that anxiety because we have a little bit more of certainty and knowns in our overall equation. Well, another good question, Lockhart. Thank you for that one. And you know, not all upheaval is on the macro scale, is, you know, this broad market conversation. Sometimes there's upheaval that occurs in our own lives, in the lives of our families, that then changes our dynamic, our situation, the choices that we have to make. That's something that Gretchen has faced recently. Gretchen writing into us from Maryland. Again, submit your questions by going to smartmoneyquestions.com. Gretchen says, Matt, I inherited a lot of stocks and mutual funds from a relative recently. A friend who trades stocks told me that I'd have to pay a ton of taxes because we don't know the beginning price for these investments. They're old and weren't tracked then, I guess, she says. Gretchen goes on to say, so he said it would be all treated as gains, and I'm going to have to have a huge tax bill on my hands. And so Gretchen's wondering, does this sound right? Well, yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> you like that answer, right? That clarifies things. Um, the one thing I would say is if he's saying that they didn't track the former price or the price it was bought at, you want to look at tax characterization of the money. Was this money in some type of a qualified retirement account? In that case, there is no what's called tax basis, and that comes over in a completely different manner. That's what's called an inherited IRA, and that's going to be treated much differently tax-wise, and it would only be all taxable if you decided to drain the whole account at one time. But if he's saying also now, okay, they didn't track the pricing right, if it was in an after-tax type of investment. So let's say way back in the day, whoever you inherited this from, they bought DuPont stock, and they bought that with after-tax money, is that the tax, or what actually happens when you inherit those stocks, is you would get what's called a step-up in, oh, by the way, for compliance reasons, I'm not a CPA, I'm not an accountant, and I'm not a tax attorney. I forgot to say that at the beginning. <laughs> That's good. So this is, gen- point, this is guess general covered. information. Please clarify it with your tax professional. So, But going back, if it is it was in an after-tax account, you would actually get what's called a step-up in basis. So even if they had bought the stock way back in the day for $5 and now it was trading at $50, your new value that is your tax basis would be $50. So even if you turned around and sold it the same day, if it sold for the 50 there would be no tax due. But there's another type of tax that many times, and Gretchen, you're in Maryland, and I would encourage everyone to have an understanding 
of this type of tax that potentially would be due regardless if it's an IRA or an inherited IRA or an after-tax type of brokerage type account, and that is inheritance tax. And every state treats it differently, and there are certain exclusions, and there's also certain additions that you want to be aware of. So I'll give you an example in the state of PA. We have an inheritance tax here, and depending on if you're a spouse or a son or a daughter or a cousin or a nephew or not related, the inheritance tax that is due differs in the percentage based on where you fall in those type of categories. The second thing is many times if those assets are passing through probate, meaning going through the court system before they are sent to you, then the estate should actually handle those, or many times the estate would handle the inheritance tax before they send you the money. But I know in the state of PA, the executor, if those monies were being distributed through beneficiary forms, which means they did not roll through the probate process, they can actually check something on the estate return saying that the beneficiaries are responsible for their own inheritance tax. And then it would be your responsibility. So you would want to check and actually speak with a tax professional in Maryland to understand what what their process is, what assets are exempt, what assets are not. Do they have that same type of process at looking at if I'm a son versus a nephew versus not related as to how much inheritance tax I pay and have an understanding on that so you don't end up with a big tax bill, especially if you didn't know about it and then they come after penalties and interest. So with regards to just inheriting the money, there's many different layers that you want to have an understanding on before you just, hey, this is found money. I'm going to go buy a new car or do an addition on the house or what have you. You want to make sure that you understand if there are any of these other taxes due, and especially if it's an inherited IRA and the rules around that. Well, it's just very complex. So many different things, I guess, to consider there, Matt, and so many variables, uh, just like you began the answer with. Yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> A lot of different directions that can go in. Is that pretty common of folks that you know come into the office or, or meet with you online to have a consultation and you kind of go through their plan? Is it common to see situations like this where there's you know 18 different directions that can go in based on you know the answers to certain questions like that? Well, what I would say is it, it isn't often that I would meet with someone for the first time and they're going through this situation right then and there. Um, I, I can think over the course of the last couple of years, it's only happened about three or four times, but many times, and I just had this happen last week, a client's uh, parent passes away suddenly and it came out, well, they can't find a will. And they don't even know where the monies are. Now, this happens to be in PA. And so we know that there is going to be some form of inheritance tax, but it looks like everything, if they can't find the accounts or the beneficiary forms weren't up to date, there's no will, that goes through a completely separate process. And so that's where like, my advice to them was, hey, listen, let's start directly working with an estate attorney that can help that. But I wouldn't say on many cases where they come in and Gretchen is coming in here for personal finance advice. And then also, oh, by the way, I've got this whole other layer 
that is here. But, you know, when you get into inheritance, you really, you want to have a clear understanding. I think I've spoke about a couple, couple times I've seen some real mistakes. And many times on the inheritance front, when the mistake is made, you can't walk your way back off of that. So it's real important, not only for you if you're inheriting money, but then that the assets that you do have currently that are yours is that you make sure that they've been set up correctly in the most tax-efficient and expeditious way to get them to whoever you want those monies and or properties or what have you to go to. And that they, let's say your heirs, have an understanding. They don't need to know the amounts, but they have an understanding on where the money is, how it's titled, and what any potential issues that they should be aware of would be. It's just so important because the inheritance, you know, not many times do we talk about any need for the federal estate tax issues that come into play, especially with the new tax laws. But the inheritance tax, every state is going to treat it differently. Every single state. And like, for instance, in the state of PA, life insurance is not part of the inheritance tax equation, but in some states it is. So even though a lot of people say, well, life insurance is tax free. Well, you have to put the type of tax that it is. It's income tax free. That doesn't mean that it's inheritance tax free or estate tax free. If a state has an inheritance tax, and an estate tax. There's so many layers of taxes. You really have to, you know, compliance-wise, speak to a tax professional. <laughs> but it, it can be it can be very very complex. Well, we have great questions on today's podcast. Angie Lockhart and Gretchen, thank you for submitting those. And if you're sitting there listening and you're kind of like, I've got questions like this. I don't necessarily want them featured on the program. We're certainly happy to do that if you want to get your, uh, you know, your name and your question out there. But we can also just answer your questions directly, and Matt's able to do that for you. You can get in touch a couple of different ways. You can send Matt an email. Easiest way to do that is probably info at smartmoneyquestions.com. Go to smartmoneyquestions.com, and you can ask questions there through the website as well. You'll see the links for that, smartmoneyquestions.com. Or you can call Matt, 610-719-3003. Puts you in touch with the office, and uh, he can set up a time to meet with you in person, chat over the phone, or if you don't live in the PA, Delaware area, you can certainly meet digitally also. 610-719-3003. 3003, your number to call, or go online to smartmoneyquestions.com. Well, Matt, we have a little bit of news to announce as we wrap up today's program. We're going to be passing the torch, so to speak, as we change gears and shift the direction of the podcast a little bit now that we're into 2019 and looking forward to the rest of the year. I will be stepping away from co-hosting the podcast with you and kind of turning over the keys to the car and allowing you to (laughs) take things in a new direction. And I know that you're really looking forward to this, not to just get rid of me, because I know that you're going to miss me a lot. But uh, I know that you're looking forward to kind of being able to drive the bus a little bit and bringing new people onto the program that now you can wear the interviewer shoes and bring some new voices and perspectives to the show. And you're still going to be doing some of your solo podcasts sprinkled in there as well. So talk to us a little bit about what's going to be on the agenda for 2019, who you're looking to kind of bring on, the types of conversations that we have to look forward to. Well, let me ask you this real quick because of the way you staged that. Um, Are you as nervous for me as I was when I handed the keys to my youngest to start driving by herself? I don't think those two (laughs) things compare. (laughs) 
And, Actually, if, and I, if we're making driving comparisons, you've had your learner's permit for quite a while now, so I think you'll be all right. <laughs> well, that's good. I am looking forward to it. We are here because uh, we are going to change the format a little bit. We're looking to uh, interview people, all different types of people, either that are current clients or other advisors or just people that you know maybe they don't have any type of financial background, but they have their own questions that they're willing to come to us and sit on the podcast and go through. Because I think one of the things that we've experienced in feedback from clients and others that have listened to it is the format that we have kind of shows that many times people have the same questions, but they're they're thinking they're the only ones that have it. So they're a little worried about asking it. So I think in what we've been able to create here and even moving forward is a community learning center that's encouraging for people to be able to ask these questions, whether it is as specific or the the answer can be very detailed in what Gretchen was answered, even to some of the more, what some people might think is a simple question. Hey, what am I supposed to do about social security? Like what, what Angie spoke about. And we can kind of go through and there can be another voice, kind of what you and I do, kind of a, a go back and forth to be able to reflect what those other people are thinking and then how we can help them. And the other thing we're looking to do is add another aspect to the podcast that'll be on the website, not really through the podcast format, but starting to add more videos on there about the specific things that we're talking about and what our processes are and how we see it helping clients that we serve. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of watch you take this into a new direction and uh, looking forward to seeing what you've got on the table for us, mixing in the uh, video here and there to accompany some of these episodes and the things that are being talked about. And then also, of course, who the guests will be that you bring onto the program as well. So there's a lot to look forward to on that front. And I've certainly enjoyed hosting the program with you, Matt. And I know this isn't goodbye. We're uh, behind the scenes. We're still going to I'm still going to edit Matt's episodes behind the scenes to make him sound really <laughs> He's got a crit- good. Me. <laughs> <laughs> off the air i go through and you know there's a few mistakes that happen each episode that you don't get to hear and so i'll still be taking those out although now that i've been kicked off the show matt i might let a few slip through you'll have to listen with a close ear <laughs> i don't I, w- I don't wouldn't say that you were kicked off the show i don't know if i would categorize it that way no no i've t- i've, I've really enjoyed can. it as well i think it's been i think it's been a it's been a fun addition to the messaging that we have so just so you know, if you are one of those, one of the many who listen to the show as soon as it comes out each week, we will be skipping. You've probably realized by now, if you are a, a religious listener to the program, uh, or I guess you're not a religious listener, you would be listening religiously to the program, that they come out on Thursday mornings, typically. So the next one would be due to come out on the final day of the month, January 31st of 2019. We are going to skip one post for that week to give Matt a little uh, rest before he takes over the uh, you know this extra responsibility for the program and then we'll begin the podcast on February 7th once again that'll be the sort of reboot of the program if you're subscribed to the podcast you're not gonna have to do anything it's all going to be under the same umbrella so don't worry nothing is changing there and uh, Matt will begin his program uh, all on his lonesome starting on February 7th and Matt another announcement as well we are also moving to a two times per month Program So it'll be the first and third Thursdays of the month, and you're decreasing the frequency to kind of increase the quality, right? <laughs> well, we're doing that, and then also to create the other medium of the video. Yes. 
So one of the things that we're going to look to do is we'll have two podcasts that'll go out. One will probably be a solo of me. Another will be an interview. And then in addition to that, add at least one video per month that we'll post out. And just to let everyone know, we're still going to be sending out the email with the show notes and everything for the podcast. We're going to do the same format for the video. We won't have necessarily the show notes time stamped, but we will be able to discuss and kind of let you know what we're going to talk about in the video and an email will go out for that platform as well. Very cool. So lots to look forward to as you flip the calendar over to February. Those to recap of some of the changes coming to smart money questions. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us, not only on this week's show, but uh, for all the times that we've interviewed over the last year and a half and did uh, about 90 episodes so far. In fact, this was episode number 91. So pretty cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, 100 and beyond as well. Well, great. Thank you. We appreciate it. That's Matt Hausman. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for tuning in. Matt will talk to you on the next Smart Money Questions podcast. 